Well, and there was very much that time when it was like, how could the warriors ever get bad again? That is like, which is. We just have such a short memory, you know, like well, it feels so much that way with Red Bull. It's like, how could they ever be bad ever again? It, right. Right. It was like, it was not that long ago that that was true or not bad, but like not what they are now. Not dominating everything ever. <laughs> right. Right. Other people were at least like plausibly competitive. I mean, um, Christian Horner has his hearing tomorrow, which is uh, fascinating. I feel I have like a, a doom feeling that nothing's coming of this. Mm, uh, I mean, like, tell me what you it want. Depends, depends on the allegations. Really, I've really heard want. some things. So um, I can't repeat them until like the actual investigation goes through. But if it is actually what I've heard, it would be reasonable that he would resign. The rumors are really bad. I think that yeah. that's my yeah. fear is that it's like the rumors are really bad, and I'm, uh, you know, I live in, I live in, I live on planet Earth, so I, I I'm pretty like used to men doing really bad things with no consequences. But boy, oh boy, do I hope there are consequences. <laughs> and I feel like the rumors are, like, do seem so bad. Like, the sort of just general vibe around the situation is so rancid that, uh, to me, that feels like generally a, a bad sign if you're him. Because if anything, I feel like the rumors tend to, like, downplay the situation in this sort of scenario. Like, it, we don't find out how bad it really is until way later. So when the when the initial vibe is, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Not ideal. Certainly not if you're Christian Horner. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a whole this whole like past week has been so full of crazy F1 news that I have not been able to keep my head on straight. It was one week ago today that the Lewis Hamilton news came out, which I feel what? like I have lived ten. <laughs> Thousand lives. <laughs> it feels like an eternity. Twenty it lifetimes been, ago, but... I heard about this. <laughs> right. things come to pass uh, with Christian Warner, if he is deposed, uh, I will celebrate by popping. Just a nice like reverb that. on that one. Arizona RX Energy Herbal Tonic. I had not planned for us to talk even a little bit about that scumbag today, but here we are and uh, the universe has brought us about. I'm Jesse from the internet. This is the Casual Die Hard podcast. Go to casualdiehard.com. It's a website now. I'm wearing my Vroom Vroom hat. <laughs> this is a Vroom Vroom show. Uh, Addie is here from the internet. Addie, uh, what are you drinking today? Well, I'm actually waiting for an acai bowl to be delivered, actually, because I was going to have another coffee, but I've had two today already, and I still feel very sleepy. 
Um, but you know, you guys always energize me. We'll, we'll get moving. And when I go off camera and mute myself, I'm grabbing my acai bowl. <laughs> there you go. And Britt, you are also here from the internet. And how are you? I'm good. I am drinking coffee because it's only 10 o'clock here. So. <laughs> Afternoon record on the East Coast, morning record on the West Coast, somewhere in the United States of America right now, but I don't know because I think that she's liable to be anywhere at any given time. Elizabeth is here from the internet. Hello, I'm in Texas, so kind of in the middle. Woo, look what I'm wearing. I'm wearing my Enchante uh, Big Rick Howdy. Sure. Oh, that's a good it's so good. The merch line yeah. that he has put out is just fantastic. I always dress up for this podcast, which I think is really <laughs> funny. I always like get out my merch and like wear my little motorsport themed outfits. And then A, it goes out into the world as an audio only medium. And B, even the people who can see are you guys and all you see is my shoulders. <laughs> It's all, it's about the vibe, the energy that the shirt brings. It is. It is. I feel like it contributes to something. Mm -hmm. You dress for yourself, Addy. You dress for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Dress for the job you want to have, podcasting in the middle of the day. (laughs) The dream. I'm trying to make that my job and hopefully all of our job at some point. And that is why you should go to casualdiehard.com and subscribe to the newsletter and all of that. Uh, Elizabeth, you have also, uh, we are soft launching our website. You have uh, fully launched your new podcast. Uh, let's yes. let's plug that right off the bat because I listened to it and it's freaking great. Oh, thank you. It is called Deadly Passions, Terrible Joys. It's a motorsport history podcast that's basically just dedicated to diving into all of the forgotten scandals and drama and intrigue and nonsense that has gone on. Uh, I love racing history, like the stuff that no one ever wants to talk about. Um, So I was like, well, someone needs to say these things. That someone will be me. My first episode was on Juan Manuel Fangio getting kidnapped in Cuba uh, during the 1958 Cuban Grand Prix. And that essentially turned the tides of the Cuban Revolution, which you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think Formula One would have that much influence, but it did. Um, so it's uh, I'm really excited. It came out this week is my first one. So this um, looks amazing. I just subscribed on Spotify. I cannot wait to listen today. Oh, thank Sounds you. So fucking cool. Love it. So much fun. Like, I, if I like can nerd really, out, it's like a really intellectual version of uh, like remember some guys, which is so exactly what I want out of life. Yes. It's all I'm trying I to achieve. Did not, I, I did not anticipate turning into a racing podcast other than our own hearing about Che Guevara. So, uh, <laughs> welcome. Right off the bat, episode one. Welcome. Here we are. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it, it's funny. I, I don't really have anywhere to go from uh Che Guevara to to get to why I asked you to come on in the first place which was that um our friend Katie uh I I asked her like who who should we get to talk about NASCAR with Addie who was also like an F1 person because Addie is all in on F1 um all in on Ferrari all in on Charles um Brit is 
um, live wiser than I am. <laughs> oh no, no, I I'm very much not because I I well, jumped on that Ferrari train. <laughs> Before yeah. the rest of y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brit just, Brit just at least sleeps in. <laughs> is, That's Brit because is, races are at is, like 6 a.m. here. <laughs> Mad respect. We are all together in the Ferrari gallows, and Brit <laughs> is the one who is turning to us in like first time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brit opened the door for us and then was like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? <laughs> Walking into a room on fire. Yeah, I do feel like I need to state for the record that I did not actually influence anyone. No, it's actually true. It's so Their true. allegiances. I went back and listened to the first the first F one episode we ever did, which was which Britt was not on. It was me, Jesse, and was it Crystal? I think, I think it was Crystal. Yeah. We went through all of – they made these, like, kindergarten boards. I don't know if you saw these, Elizabeth. Yeah, that's where they're so like, cute. My favorite food is pasta. My, my pump-up <laughs> song is house music. And we judged them all. We gave them points. And without any influence from Brit, we came out of it being like, we'll die for this Charles Leclerc fucker. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to die for Charles Leclerc, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Right. Welcome. That's that's just where we're all at right now. It's it's a, a corollary of the everyone's a Ferrari frame, even if they don't even if they say they're not. Like mm-hmm. that's so true, Britt. It's like everyone is a Charles Leclerc fan, even if they say they're not a Charles Leclerc fan. You can right. go to the Mercedes guys. They'll say Mercedes is the greatest brand in the world. But right. here's here how true how true it is is that I attended the Williams F1 car launch at the Puma flagship store in Midtown Manhattan. Why it was there, I have no idea. However, uh, prominently, not prominently displayed, but like if you walking to the escalators, there's a big screen up that says like Williams season 2024 launch. And right in front of it is a rack of Ferrari shirts. <laughs> to- that picture made me laugh so hard. I just appreciate that the merchandising people at Puma were clearly like, no, look, we know where we're going to actually actually make money here. Put these out here. You, you know, you're yeah. there's not that many Williams fans. You're going to get a lot of people who are not actually Williams fans who show up for this thing just because it's here. Like, no, it's that Ferrari rack was in a high traffic spot right by the escalator. Andiamo. Andiamo. <laughs> hey, what else happened oh. on the escalator, Jesse? Oh, uh, yeah. What else happened on the escalator? The the greatest celebrity interaction of my entire life happened on the escalator because I did go up to the third floor and check out the, the Williams display that they had up there. Um, I was misinformed about there being like a video game kind of experience uh, thing that was that was not in the offing. Uh, but as I was up there on the third floor of the store, I see uh, people like trying to flag down Jensen Button for a selfie. Um, but he has already done that with people who, who were there, you know, minutes ago. And he is now on his way out of the store. I'm on my way out, too. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to walk the same way. Um, and as I was going down the escalator, I was like, we're going to have to do that little escalator transfer thing. So I stopped midway between the second, you know, between the second, third and the second, first escalators and leaned over the edge. And as he 
turned around. I go, uh, hey, elevator selfie. And for just a split second, he's like, uh, I'm going to have to tell you know, that, that I'm going to have to tell another person no. But then he looks up and he sees me with, you know, selfie at the pose. Right? He's like, oh, cool. Thumbs up and done. And I think for him, that's the ideal interaction, too, because 100 percent. It's In over allocation. immediately. Yep. Yeah. More, Jensen Button's such a nice boy. ride escalators. Uh, I, I just love him. So this is actually, thinking, I guess, a pretty good transition. Because he's mm-hmm. a NASCAR guy now, right? Yes. Jensen Button, certified NASCAR driver, endurance racer. Just living his best life. He, he drove in the Chicago race. Right? He did. He did Coda last year, Chicago, and then I believe the Indianapolis Road Course. I think he was in the Indy Road Course, yeah. Yeah. Those races were um well the Chicago one was fun. Yeah. The Indy race was uh as close to a Max Verstappen Formula One Sunday snooze as I think NASCAR had all year. Yep. Who won? The Chicago race was Shane Van Gisbergen, which yes. was awesome because it was his first NASCAR race. And he's like, uh, Elizabeth, I don't know what kind of car he regularly he's a, He does like stock cars. They're called supercars down in Australia. So it's like the Australia's version of NASCAR, essentially. Yeah. Um, and now he's going to come over here and drive a bunch of races for what has become. Um, wait, is he driving? He's. Is he driving for Trackhouse or 2311? I don't remember. Jensen, Jensen, tell me where you're at. Um, well, Trackhouse and 2311 are my favorite teams in NASCAR. And, and I feel like that was validated in the, um, what I call Drive to Survive the Waffle House um, NASCAR. <laughs> Such a good, Netflix. good title. Well, okay, so let's even back up. I interrupted you. So, Jesse, you were oh, saying, yeah. you asked Katie, who do we get here to talk about mm-hmm. NASCAR? Because the thing that has happened is I have fallen so deeply in love with Formula One that now, you know, I always joke to people. Like, I'm like, Jesse, I interrupted you and then I keep talking. But it's like, I I always joke to people, you know, I'm always trying to convert <laughs> formula i'm trying to convert everyone into a formula one fan because it's all i want to talk about and you know i'm just trying to get everybody on board and i i often talk to girlies who are like do i have to care about the races and i'm like no (laughs) you don't have to care about the races it's like fine you can love the charles leclerc ice bath video you can like fall in love with lewis hamilton it's totally fine but (laughs) you're gonna wake up one day And out of nowhere, you're going to be like, the V6 hybrid engine. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be grumbling like an old man about how they need to go back to the V10s and get rid of the damn batteries. Literally. Literally, I'm like, I went, like, my Instagram algorithm is a perfect example of how this happens, where it's like, certainly I get the fan cams for sure but it used to be pure fan camry and now it's like dudes listening to v12 engines and freaking the fuck out and i'm like wow what a beautiful sound (laughs) and so it's just been this like thing where you know jesse loves nascar and 
as I've like really tumbled into this rabbit hole, I'm like, there's 20, there's like 24 races in a season, right? There's like one almost every weekend for quite some time. And I'm like, there's not enough. I need more room vroom. Uh So here we are. I will say that I think that that sort of casual, oh, look, isn't he pretty to deep nerd intensity? It is, I I want to sort of gently make fun of us for it. And then I realize that it's exactly what has happened for me with every other sport that I love that like, you know, I started watching baseball as a kid because like, oh, it's fun. And then like, oh, JT Snow is adorable. And I have a crush on him as a teenager. And now it's like, digging into Fakota projections and like, no, but this guy really needs more spin on his changeup because there's not enough differentiation between that and his cutter. And it's like, <laughs> and just, this is, this is the inevitable end result that I, I, I think we are constitutionally incapable of like stopping at a casual interest <laughs> that it just yeah. inevitably goes to that place where we're like, no, 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 but see, he's got to change the timing on that. And he should, he should have known that that wasn't going to get called a strike because three pitches ago, like, it's just, you can't, you can't avoid it. It's all or nothing, honestly. That, that, the, the NASCAR exactly. boys, if you, if you watch uh, full speed, you are not going to get the same um, raw sexuality that uh, a Carlos Sainz or a Carl Leclerc brings. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, they're, I mean, maybe Luigi's suit does it for you. Maybe that's maybe that's the case. Um, he's a he looks like a real good dad, um, and that's exactly in his own way. Um, and, <sighs> and certainly, my own Dale Earnhardt daddy issues are. Um, <laughs> Um, well, Addy and Reddit both had a chance to read 3,000 words about that already, and he's coming to the website soon. So, it was uh, really enjoy. good. It's it really was. nice. It's, it's really good. Also, I'm uh, just going to propose that as the title for today's episode right right now. That I think Dale Herner, Daddy <laughs> Issues may be, may be our winner. I don't think we're going to top that. I mean, I'm no, gonna, yeah. I'm going to give us a place to top that. But. We got time. <laughs> give us time. God. Yeah, so, I feel like I think the best part about NASCAR is like if you watch Formula One, especially as an American, it always kind of feels like a little bit ex- just like too fancy, like two pinkies out. Uh, like it's just two pinkies an, out. It's like a level of it's, rich dude that you'll never achieve even in America. Like yeah. you can be a billionaire in America, but you will never be Charles Leclerc living in Monaco. Like as Logan Sargent is evidence. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. NASCAR brings it like back down to us, the normal people who have like aspirational dreams that we could kind of actually achieve. I think that NASCAR is is just much more like other American sports that way too, and that like most athletes and most NASCAR drivers too are not coming from like huge, huge generational wealth. Yeah. In, like, not that there aren't Nepo babies and legacies and stuff, but, like, not to the extent that it is oh. in Formula oh One. Oh, my God. I, I hate Ty Gibbs so much for <laughs> nothing, but then he right. also validates the way that he drives. And the uh, things right. that he says and his entire behavior and his face. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, I just the everything. everything. The whole, okay. baby first, and then he validates all of it. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so can let's start 
Well, I don't know. Jesse, you say whatever you want to say, and then I want to ask a series of basic questions. I I want to, to set down the, this other marker. It, it's Carlos. Uh, Carlos has a lot of anti-hero in him, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. He, he can go, you know, they, they, I'm keeping it. It's on purpose. It's planned. It's, <laughs> and be smooth on about purpose. it. Um, whereas Denny Hamlin gets out of the car and after having last year and it's in the Netflix show, like he goes, I just beat your favorite driver as, as he's getting booed and Mm -hmm. he gets out of the car after winning the clash, uh, on Saturday night. Um, and he has to pull the, like, he's like, Oh wait, I forgot something. I just beat your favorite driver again. And like, it was so forced and awkward yeah. and the Netflix yeah. show tries to make him this anti-hero and he kind of is because he's won everything but the championship and he has such fucking delusions of grandeur and like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, en- I enjoyed him leaning into the heel turn last year and like but man now now he's just like it, it's it's a it's a fine line to play because like mm-hmm. oh you're not just leaning into it. it. You were doing that for a show because you thought that that was cool. Not okay, because I, you were doing a bit. I still obviously know very little. And I would like to know if this is a fair comparison. From what I understand about him, to me, his F1-like analog is Nando. Hmm. Evil... <laughs> Oh, yeah. talented. <laughs> I honestly, I don't think that's too far. I think Fernando has like gracefully aged into kind of being funny in a good way as opposed to just being a real douchebag like he used to be. Uh, but yeah, like Denny Hamlin has that same vibe of like he just wants to pick fights just for the sake of picking fights. But like in the very American way of like not understanding that it's not funny anymore. <laughs> but also at the same time, rising to incredible heights as much much the same as Fernando Alonso, a side villain. Yes. Because Max Verstappen and Red Bull are the main villains. They are the Roman Reigns and mm-hmm. uh, of this operation. Um whereas in in NASCAR that's Hendrick and especially probably the one dude who can challenge Max as for claim of best pound for pound driver in the world, Kyle Larson. Yeah. Can't stand. And, <laughs> and again, Pryor's validated. I Pryor's love validated like... on him and also Jeff Gordon. Ooh. Ooh. The Jeff Gordon is interesting. Yeah. See, I... I kind of love Jeff Gordon, and it is purely because we grew up with like, the Rainbow Warrior. Yeah, well, and we and we grew up like within miles of yeah. each other, and like he's not that much older than I am, and it's just sort of very. He was very. I don't want to say an oddity, but he was very much like notable, I guess, by virtue of the fact that he was like this weird California kid, and like making it in the sport that like you don't really associate with the area and like how do you get into that and like going to Sears Point and all this stuff so 
I have a I have a weird a weird fondness for him for that reason. He, my... he is Michael Jordan in NASCAR to me, whereas NASCAR Michael Jordan is an unbelievably cool like gets it probably like best team owner in the sport uh weird that he's partnered with denny hamlin and i come away like liking him and not really liking denny hamlin where yeah it's it's a totally different thing when because he's coming like i I said that i wanted to unpack this before you guys um with Jordan, he's coming into racing and and he understands that like he's not the shit and he actually has to treat people with respect, mm-hmm. which he doesn't have to do in. I guess he doesn't have to treat anybody with respect, but he does because like he earnestly wants to learn what it's going to take to win in this sport. And he's he seems like legitimately impressed by what the athletes do, like not just the drivers, but like the crew chiefs and the pit dudes and like. Mm-hmm. It's that to me is one of the the most interesting like little side notes on on the Netflix show for NASCAR is like Michael Jordan in a role like you have not seen him uh, before. And I think that's that was really interesting to me. So, Elizabeth, how did you get into motorsports generally and NASCAR specifically? I think so. NASCAR was like my first motorsport love. Uh, I grew up in rural Michigan, so my whole family was part of the auto industry. So cars were everything. We watched NASCAR every weekend until Dale Earnhardt died. Not that we were Dale Earnhardt fans. Uh, we hated him. Apparently, that was my my dad's whole thing. But it that race took place at my brother's birthday party, so my mom called her quits. Oh. <laughs> we were oh, like, "Yeah, it's no. over." Oh my god! Yeah. So. Fell out of the racing thing for a while, but then in 2013, I was so into the movie Thor. I loved Chris Hemsworth, and I was like, Chris Hemsworth's going to be in this movie about race car drivers in the 70s. This is hitting all of my interests. I'm going to go see Rush. (laughs) Saw Rush on opening day, and I got home, and I was like, I bet they Hollywoodified the heck out of this story. I'm going to Google it and see like what the actual legit thing is uh and then i realized like the actual story is so much more interesting than anything they showed in the movie she's so much more complex and then i was like well i'm just gonna keep like diving into archives and looking at old photos and buying old books and obsessing over this ridiculous sport um and then as i got like more into racing just generally nascar kind of came back into the fold of like this was the og for me like this was what everyone that I grew up with was watching. We had no idea what Formula One was. Uh, so now it's kind of like NASCAR is kind of like my fun sport. Like F1 is my work job, is my work sport. And now like NASCAR is the one where I can just kind of tune in, zone out and like have a blast. That's so important to be able to have that. And yeah, <laughs> and that's what NASCAR, because working at – I. I actually did get to work a little bit of NASCAR and it was like a treat to get to do, but like working at the daily news in New York, nobody else gave a damn about NASCAR. And like, I could just be like, okay, Hey, they bring the Daytona 500 winner to New York every year. I can go cover that. Um, and I kind of got myself into that, but like the rest of the year is just like, Hey, this is the thing that I like to watch and it's neat. 
And, and now I've been able to get much more into it the last couple of years. And, uh, I'm excited for this. And like, I know that my distaste for Jeff Gordon in, in this current setup is because he's the kind of guy who goes up to Kyle Larson right before the big race and tries to, tries to motivate him, I guess, by saying, Hey, you're not a multi-champ champion yet. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Like he is emblematic to me. And, and I think, you know, you can say that this is, he would say that this is for good. He is emblematic to me of the Hendrick machine. Um, (laughs) You know, he fantastic driver, multiple time champion. Great. Fantastic. Um, it's it's you guys were the Tampa Bay Rays of, of the sport and and then uh, made it happen. Good job. Good job. You became the Yankees. You started out as the Tampa Bay Rays. You became the Yankees. Well done. Full marks to you. Um, it doesn't mean that I have to like any bit of it except for the pit crew which is like the most the most amazing revolution um i think of my lifetime as far as like the competitiveness of sport and and what they did um making making pit stops matter so mm-hmm. um they don't they don't get it done quite as fast as the f1 boys do though okay this is a very silly thing. Well, it's not that silly, but it's it's a bit silly. Um, we watched Gran Turismo over the weekend. <laughs> oh god! Which have you guys watched it? I have not I have yet, not, but I have not heard anything good about it that has enticed me to watch it. Um, let me try. <laughs> okay, so let me preface this by saying I have a a, a friend who is like a semi-pro sim racer. And so I was very excited to be like, yo, dude, did you watch Gran Turismo? And he literally goes, I got through 20 minutes of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's about what I've heard. I am not a semi-pro sim racer. I'm just a girl. And I thought it was so entertaining. It was very like... You cannot go into it expecting to learn or it's not rush, let's say. It is not, um, it is not like a great film. Was it two hours of total entertainment and enjoyment for me? A thousand percent. And, um, there is this, well, there's two things. One is, Every single actual IRL racing scene, me and my boyfriend were screaming, that's a penalty! You would be banned from the sport for that! Like, really being nuts about it, um, which was really super fun. But the other thing is they have, obviously, some pit stop scenes. And I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, these are taking forever. Ever, <laughs> this is like three and a half seconds. Like, I was like, this is literally a race ruiner. Like, what is happening here? It it really is something I'm so not used to. I'm like the the refueling is the thing that I'm just like so boggled my mind. I'm you know when it takes three seconds, I'm like, well, we're dead. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> 
so there was also a, a revolution in refueling um, it, that that I learned about recently. Um, I'm not sure what this was, but it was something that was uh, you know similar. Just looking into racing history stuff and stuff that I didn't know, but like that Roger Penske was was like very good at um, first cheating, yes. um, but then it kind of became the standard and refueling cars much faster and, and using gravity to your advantage. And what I need to ask you, Elizabeth, since you are more familiar with all of the forms of racing, um, should I consider being a Penske fan after yes. I like came away yes. loving Ryan Blaney and like liking Joey Logano way more than I ever thought that I did before? I like, I've, like I adore Penske. Not necessarily um, what he's doing with IndyCar. It is perhaps a little outdated, but Penske as a legacy and like what he's done in motorsport is freaking incredible. This man like entered Formula One a couple times. Like he has NASCAR teams, he's got IndyCar teams, he's got endurance racing teams, and he like until very recently was the guy standing on the pit box for all 24 hours of the Daytona race the entire time. Like he's like 80 something now. Um, yeah. D like get into it. Penske as an organization is a little bit like prissy. I would say there's a, uh, there's a, a phrase called Penske perfect because everyone has like perfect hair and like the polos tucked in and the crisp shirts and the, you know, slacks with the creases in them. Um, but that's just like that is kind of a relic of a bygone time, but it shows a lot of like what Roger Penske innovated on, which was why bother having everyone be different when you can all do things the same way in the most efficient way possible and save 10 seconds on your refueling because you did gravity, made it go upside down and channel fuel into the fuel tank. Is <clears throat> I got to say that whole description and, and I'm, I'm really sorry if this is offensive, but like, that's kind of like Mercedes core to me. Like it is, yeah. the very, like everyone wears the, the outfit. We care that the bathrooms are clean. We're going to do it right to be the, that, that, that Mercedes vibe Howdy. to me. You're, I don't think you're, you're wrong right at all. about that as a, as a New York Yankees vibe because yeah. they have, yeah. Like, really a no beards rule but ryan blaney won the nascar championship yes. last year with full beard um and and good on him because he looks way better with it so elizabeth who are your main rooting interests and and how would you say like one thing that we talk a lot about with formula one is that your rooting interests kind of at least for me they're so different than like I root for the Mets. I root for Ferrari, but I root for Charles. I root for McLaren mm -hmm. a little bit. I, like there's such this kind of strange, different way that I've found emerges yeah. with Formula One. Do you think that that is true with NASCAR and kind of what are your rooting interests in the sport? I think it's, especially if you're getting into NASCAR, like completely new and fresh. I know a lot of people grow up in the US with like, if you grew up with the Yankees, like you're going to be a lifelong Yankees fan. There's like this uh, deep underlying, like you've kind of stuck with the the region and these teams for a certain amount of time. But if you're kind of coming in fresh, you get the ability to 
pick and choose what you like. And it's like a pick your own adventure kind of fandom experience, which is what I absolutely love. So with NASCAR, like I grew up as a Mark Martin fan of like the guy who was really good, but never won anything um, and never like quite got to the top level. So I was like, can't relate to that at all. <laughs> so I was like, who, who in NASCAR is like that? And until last year it was Ryan Blaney. So like Ryan Blaney, handsome boy, not even going to deny that. Like he's got a nice face. I was interested, but also like the storyline that he had was so fun of like, here's this young guy who's really good and maybe he'll get a chance. And then he did. Uh, and was like good and not good enough and like close but not close um so yeah i think like my my vibe just kind of goes to like who i think will be the most fun like if no one is if you're if it's a fun experience that's what kind of more what i'm like what i'm looking for and even in in formula one I don't want to say in Formula 1. In Formula 1, it's always been pain. I was a uh, Manor Marusha fan when Manor Marusha was a team. So I was like scraping by on the back of the grid with no hopes or dreams about anything. Um, but <laughs> I think it like the fun thing of NASCAR is like you can just kind of pick and like whoever's personality you vibe with, just send it. See what happens. All I need is Ross Chastain to win one race and he's in the playoffs every mm -hmm. year and that's mm -hmm. all ross chastain needs too exactly well i the other 35 races fucking up everybody else's business and that is why <laughs> he's my favorite i will say um so jesse has kind of ross chastain pilled me like i i definitely feel a pull to ross chastain mm -hmm. and i recently watched the video again of his video game move yes um, <laughs> It's so good. And I picked a longer clip than I had seen before, which showed him getting out of the car afterward. And I have obviously like previously Googled pictures of him and been like, okay. He got out of the car and I was like, oh my God, is Ross Chastain sexy? <laughs> Oh my god. When they get out of like when they're fresh from competition, like there's nothing else like it. Oh dude, I mean Max Verstappen is sexy to me when he's like sweaty on the top step of the podium. Like he but he got out of the car, he has the big beard, he has a great smile, such mm -hmm. a cute little smile, and he looked so proud of himself for what he had just pulled off, as he well should. And I kind of was like I think he might be my guy. <laughs> if the, like if that's He's how you pick a, a favorite, Yuki that vibes. is the perfect NASCAR way to pick a favorite. Okay, great. I I also think um Bubba and Danny are are obviously very interesting characters to yes. me. But I, I don't feel like I've had quite the awakening mm -hmm. with with either of them. That's Definitely, if you follow speed. both of them on social media, I think you will get an exact sense of why people feel so strongly about both of those fellas. I really like Bubba, but I also can see why people dislike him, but like in the non-racist way, there are a lot of people who just <laughs> dislike him because he's black. Uh, there are some aspects of his personality where I'm like, eh, yeah, I can I can see why that's not, not a good vibe for some folk, but 
like it's so cool to see him doing his thing um and like speaking words about being black and racing who does that no one has really done that aside from lewis in the last five billion years is he the only black driver in what, what, what do we say NASCAR? Do we say the NASCAR Cup? How do I even ask in that? In the Cup series. The in cup the Cup series. series. Is mm-hmm. he the only black driver on the grid? Like that's the only way I can do. do we yeah. say on the grid in NASCAR? <laughs> in the field, I think is more of a NASCARism. In the field, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. And he is. He's the second black driver to have ever won a race, and the first one was Wendell Scott wow. back in like the fifties, which was a whole thing because there was a trophy girl who didn't want to give him a kiss after the race because he was a black gentleman, and then they just didn't give him his trophy afterward because they contested it. Yeah, it was a very gnarly, dark moment for the sport in 1950s 60s america um so it was like seeing bubba come in and actually like kind of bring that conversation back to the forefront like since then they have reawarded wendell scott with his win and like tried to resource his trophy and like tried to fix the wrongs that happened because it was like we're having the same exact discussions again in the 2020s so it was I I think like just even the fact that he has become that person of like can speak up about it in a very competent but actually still down to earth way is really nice. Boy, I wish there was like a racing history podcast where I could hear that whole story. Well, <laughs> <laughs> funny you should ask. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how? On in the field, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, how many teams are there, and does everyone have two drivers? Are there always the same amount of boys on the on the track? Like, how does it function? It is a free for all. Honestly, I don't know how many teams exactly there are right now, um, but I think there are like fifteen there's, that have guaranteed entry. Ford, Chevy, and Toyota. Uh huh. There's as manufacturers. Let's start with that. There's there's three manufacturers, and then each of those has like a couple of mains, mm-hmm. and then they're like kind of your your like Ford has Penske and Stuart Haas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chevy has um, Hendrick and somebody else. I don't know. Um, Trackhouse is is also yeah. Chevy, um, and. 2311 and Joe Gibbs Racing or Toyota. And then there's kind of, you know, smaller teams after that. I think that's a, a fair way to, to describe it. Like, but yeah. there's the champion's going to come from one of those six teams, most likely. Mm-hmm. But there are no rules on how many drivers you can have. I think like you're allowed like five or six, maybe. At one, like, there's a pretty high <laughs> limit of drivers you can have. You can also just have one dude doing a thing. You can have a team that shows up sometimes and not all races. Uh, so there will be po- people who show up for the Daytona 500 who you will not see again, like, probably for the rest of the year. Uh, drivers can, like, pop in and out of different cars. So you can see, like, one car will be run by, like, four different people. 
um, just depending on like it, it is kind of a free for all. It does make it a little bit more difficult than an F1 where you kind of you know exactly who's going to be doing what and what their car will look like every week. In NASCAR, it's kind of a little bit more difficult to tune in and just understand it intuitively. Um, but once you get like a sense of it, you've watched a few races, you'll understand kind of who's got what sponsors. Um, there are some that kind of stick around for everyone. You'll get to know like which weenie on the track is like who who that is because of the stupid thing they just did. And you'll be like, yeah, that's a typical move for that guy. Um, yeah, it, it, it makes it, it like I think that is one of the bigger barriers to entry. Like there are a ton of cars. There are a ton of different teams and the cars can look different every week if they really want to. Uh, but it's worthwhile like just kind of even just tuning in and like watching i have a friend from england who's been getting into nascar this year uh, and a little bit at the end of last year and he would tune in and be like i have no idea who any of these people are i have no idea what the <laughs> car numbers mean i have no idea what the team is is this a driver or a team principal like who what is what is going on but this is just so much fun it's so funny because to me, one of the biggest barriers to being an F1 fan is not being able to see the numbers on the cars. And like, yes. I need a gigantic three to tell me that that's Dale. <laughs> well, I think one of the, the bigger things, too, is like in NASCAR, drivers don't have numbers. The cars have numbers. So. Oh, what? Yeah, it's really interesting in a lot of. Uh, in a lot of American forms of motorsport, like you'll have Penske. Penske has a certain number of like card numbers it's allowed to have. So it's like 2, 12, 22. You can guarantee Penske cars in IndyCar or NASCAR have those numbers. The same thing with um, like Stuart Haas Racing. It has its slate, like the team picks some numbers and then that's the team's numbers. And the drivers will, if they pop into other teams or other cars, it'll be totally different. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. As a, as a brief aside here, um, is everyone seeing how mad Formula One fans are this week that every car seems to have a black livery? <laughs> You know what? Right, I am go. I am on record as being anti-black jersey in other sports. I'm on record now. If I haven't said it before, I think the black liveries are dumb. All of you have great color palettes. Will you just yes. use them? Why is Ferrari the only one who's like, no, our car is red? I mean, I, it's red. That's what so it is. Much. It's fucking red. Like <laughs> it, it really is. Like I, I can't believe that I, I had the same thought yesterday, Britt. I was like, I can't believe we're gonna get to the end of these livery announcements, and it's gonna be like, okay, Ferraris is the most unique. <laughs> right. It's gonna be nine black cars with different color accents and a red car. Like that's gonna be it. And I think it's especially annoying because like the um, the golf like special liveries that Williams and McLaren both have done the past couple of years are so good and mm -hmm. people love them so much. And the merch sells out instantly. I have a McLaren, yeah. the McLaren golf track jacket from a couple of years ago. Like it's amazing. And no one is just like, yes, this should be our livery. Like you yeah, have to think it's wildly popular. Everybody loves it. And you're just like, eh, no, we're going to go over here with the black and like some orange highlights. Like what are you doing? I do want I do want a full chrome McLaren 
You have you Chrome's your fucking main sponsor, like full Chrome McLaren. I think that right. would be sick. That would be amazing. So who won last year in NASCAR? Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney. The Hawkeye. Yes. I was so excited. I would like my husband and I have a garage on our TV or a TV in our garage, and we were out there watching and just screaming, like, please, Ryan, hold on to it for one more lap. You just gotta do one more. So how how do you win? Is it points based? Is it you get into the, the final four and you have to win yeah. a race there? So yeah, there sure. there are two parts to the NASCAR season. There's the regular season and then the playoffs. So if you win a race in the regular season, you are guaranteed a place in the playoffs. And then as the playoffs go through, it's like a series of like one or two races will every one or two races, you'll narrow down the field. So I think it starts with 16, then drops down, and it'll keep going until you hit the, the last race of the year where four drivers have a chance at winning the championship. So whichever one of those four drivers finishes highest is the winner. That sounds usually, exciting. Usually, yes. Yeah. And usually the champion wins the, the final race. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was part of the controversy last year was that, uh, Ryan Blaney thought that he should be passing Ross Chastain to win that final race and claim his championship. And Ross Chastain was like, no, I'm going to race you hard and I'm going to win this race. Yeah. I'm not going to wreck you, but I'm not giving you the win just because you're winning the championship. It's okay, still a race. That's my boy. Yeah. So. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, don't like to see the faves uh, clash with each other. The girls are fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lady giving him the finger from inside the car is, and so he can see it in the rear view. It's relatable. It's relatable for everybody. I've done that before. I'm not letting this motherfucker (laughs) pass me, and why won't this fucking let me pass him? Yeah. So, who are the favorites this year? Is it pretty? Is it pretty kind of like are there periods of dominance in the in the in NASCAR or is it more up in the air every year because you just have to win one to get into the playoffs? It's a little more up in the like a little more up in the air. That's why they introduced the playoffs was because a driver named Jimmy Johnson was winning literally everything, an unstoppable force. No matter how many times they changed the championship format, that man still won. <laughs> um You'll definitely have certain favorites heading into any season. So like Kyle Larson, I think Chase Elliott probably is another big one for the title. Um, Oh, God, who else? Penske, obviously, like Joey Logano always is. Blaney, 23XI has probably got a shot. Um, Like it's definitely a little bit more of a, a blend. You never really exactly know who will win, but there is definitely a little like group you can pull from and make a pretty good bet that one of these fellas got it. So is my new favorite son, Ross Chastain, like a a real possibility to do really well this season? Ross is one of the, he's like the outlier, you know, like he's like the dark horse favorite, I think, for a lot of people where they're, they're like, he's going to get yeah. it. He's going to finally do it. 
but he tends to Ross Chastain himself a little bit and <laughs> do something a little bit, a little bit poor on the track sometimes. Um, like he's a hard driver, and I don't understand why this keeps happening to me. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Charles Leclerc crashing in the formation lap, saying, "Why am I so fucking unlucky?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I need something. I'm like, I need something to fill the hole in my soul. Let me find something new and different for me. The outlier dark horse guy who will get in his own way and break my heart. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Mets all the way down, Abby. That's the thing. It's just Mets all the way down. Ultimately, that was my fatal choice i fell in love with the new york mets and it was over for me forever <laughs> now you just keep picking up the the mets analog in any sport wherever possible i'm like i'm tired of these fucking new york metropolitans i'm gonna go for a chic brand i know i can trust ferrari <laughs> oops oh. <laughs> the iconic The iconic Ferrari. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Everything. Is that that their team slogan? (laughs) Ferrari. (laughs) What could go wrong? Uh, Before before we get out of here, let us talk a little bit about the Ferrari movie and and Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari and just the whole the whole deal there, which um, I have to say my main takeaway was um, fuck, that was violent. Yeah. Oh my god. Did not expect yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> I was... It was one of those movies where, like, the first crash scene happened and I watched the like first screening of it for the public at the uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix. So they were had a showing where it was just like reserve a ticket. It's free. You can show up. And everyone in the theater laughed at that first crash. <gasps> but I think out of shock, like it was one of those like, oh my I mean, God, I can't believe shocking. that just happened. He like launches yeah, out yeah. of car. Yeah. But I – oh God, I love that movie actually. I think it might be one of my favorite racing movies forever now. And a lot of people felt differently, but I really liked it. I actually like it more as time goes on. Like the more I look back at it, the more the more I like it. I think it was so not – I don't know what I anticipated or what I expected, but it was not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And um, And as an Adam Driver stan, I find Adam Driver hard to take seriously. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did. I mean, my biggest takeaway is Penelope Cruz deserves Crushed a thousand it. Oscars. Like, mm-hmm. she was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was fantastic. I will say, I had an easier time taking Adam Driver seriously in that context than I do uh, taking Adam Driver seriously as like this earth-shatteringly 
sexy like love interest that's where my suspension of disbelief falls apart i could i could go with this one i find adam driver earth shatteringly sexy and i think that was part of why i was like my my sister before we went to the movie i'm like i am so horny for adam driver the main guy in this movie she's like who we get to the movie and she leans over and she goes that guy (laughs) yeah I, i feel like adam driver is very all or nothing in that sense, either you are absolutely 100% in or you're like, I do not understand anything about this person's appeal. He's very, yeah, he's he very, he's unique in that way. Because I think most people, I can be like, even if I, they're like, not my, not my particular jam, I can be like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's a type that I'm not, in, not is not really my my choice, but I get it. That's the one where I'm like, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Other than I grew up in the nineties and know plenty of people who like dated weird little wannabe punk band freaks that were of a similar variety. So like, sure. It's it a thing for it some does people. a lot for me. Does it do anything for you, Elizabeth and Jesse? It, Adam Driver. <laughs> Not really. Like I, he's just, He's not quite my type, but that was why I thought he was so perfect for Enzo, as it, like to play that character. Where I was like, yeah. this guy is a little ridiculous. Like some people find him immensely attractive somehow, and some people do not. And mm-hmm. I do not understand how Enzo Ferrari, as a man himself, was like a ladies' man. Like I look at him and I'm like, <laughs> right. eh, I don't get it. But then it was like Anne of Driver, and I was like, oh well, this is a contemporary example. I totally get why. This is this makes sense, <laughs> right? That was what I wanted to ask you. This was like having, having you know, dug in on Enzo Ferrari. Uh, the feeling that I got from Adam Driver was like, okay, I see. There is definitely a very sexual energy that mm-hmm. he is exuding. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Enzo was exuding a sexual energy all the time as well, but was. Was this an apt, uh, an apt oozing of sexual energy? It really like, was. Did, did their sexual energies match Adam Driver it, and Enzo? It Fer- did. Like I don't. Enzo Ferrari as as a man had that kind of like a little skeevy. I don't really get it, but I can see why other people get it. Sexuality, like he slept with so many of his drivers, ex girlfriends or wives or whatever, especially after his drivers had died. He was the guy to comfort the widows. Yeah, yeah. That's it's an it's an episode coming up on my podcast, Deadly Passions, Terrible Joys, this year. So if you want to learn more about Enzo's sex life, I got the scoop. I do, I do, and because I will just say, the pictures of a young Enzo Ferrari work for me. See, like they don't for me, but I also I'm like I get it. I understand. For some folks, this is just the thing. This is it. With with a Ferrari car that he built. I mean, yeah. yeah. He has like a nice like Carlos Sainz esque head of hair. Like it's it works for me, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the movie was say. so good. Like accurate in so many ways. That whole little intro scene where he like goes to the barber and shit talks everyone at the barber and then gets some flowers and goes and sees his son's grave. Like that was 
a legit oh, Enzo Ferrari good. every day of his life thing that he did. Like that was something known and reported on. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad. Like my little nerdy heart would have been so upset if he'd done anything else. But I had just read like 1,200 pages of Enzo Ferrari biography. So I was like, I'm ready to tear this apart for its unauthenticity. I was actually pleasantly surprised. This uh, this has been not a surprise that it has been so pleasant. Um, this was such a pleasure, great. Elizabeth. You should join us frequently. This was a Absolutely. treat. Just let me know. I'll be. I'll sign on. Listen, next time we talk, we are gonna know what the Ferrari livery looks like, and we're gonna have a lot to say when it's a black fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> do, do not put that into the universe. Oh my god. I just, okay, I will just say. I don't want it right now because I do agree there are too many black cars on the grid. I think a black Ferrari could be it would look cool. sick. Yeah. It would look so cool. I would be here for it. I mean, it's a good song. And that is a great song. <laughs> that is a great song. I feel like if you're going to – part of the problem with the black liveries as they stand is it's like kind of a half-assed attempt at it. Because it's all like mostly black, but like, oh, here's some color weirdly. Like if you're going to do black, I feel like you need to commit and like do the Formula One equivalent of like a murdered out, uh, like not Corolla, but like (laughs) I'm trying to think of like the ridiculous cars that I've seen growing up that people were like, oh, I'm going to make this look really cool. They were often like Camrys, but yeah, like you've got to do the Formula One equivalent of that and just... I want like the the open wheel racing equivalent of like tinted windows. Like, you, <laughs> I you, think that's you gotta go Ferrari so hard, and I think Ferrari is probably the only one who could pull it off. I think they could do it. The only problem is, if you ask a child to draw a race car, he'll color it red. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, red is fast. Exactly, well, red is fast. <laughs> This was a pleasure. I am. I will just say, in the end, I I think I'm at finishing this episode, ready to put my heart and soul behind Ross Chastain. I'm here for it. It's a good choice. Can't wait. We will. We will find a NASCAR race to go to, in addition to our plans to go to uh, Coda in in October. What a year we have shaped up, Ross Chastain. Ferrari. <laughs> we do this to ourselves. Yep. For the love of yep. something. Let's go Mets, baby. <laughs> the Mets, baby. Love the Mets. Love you. <laughs>